With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Victor's Valiant podcast here on SB Nation and maizeandbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. And joining me, as always, are my two co-pilots here, Colin Logsdon and Andy McDonald. Boys, how we doing throughout this bye week? Just peachy. Yeah, just, you know, getting through the week. <laughs> it's, yep, uh, that's right. It's hate week. It, it is hate week. It's rivalry week. Uh, you know, we, we got to get through the bye week before we can get through that and I, I think we've um, managed all right but uh, before we get into what we're going to talk about today I want to remind everybody that uh, amazingbrew.com is not the only place that you can listen to podcasts now um, you can now subscribe actually to Amazing Brew Podcasts on iTunes and the Google Play Store and uh, you can take our shows on the go whether you're uh, you know commuting to work in, in your car you can take us on the go and uh, by doing this you'll receive a notification uh, the second that the show's posted, and it'll go right to your iPhone or Android device. Uh, that's Amazing Brew Podcast on iTunes and Google Play Store. Subscribe and listen today, guys. It is a uh, good investment. So, but uh, now, like we said, it's hate week. We um we got to hate Michigan State this week uh, more than we usually do. But uh, before we preview it, I want to start off with the big news that was uh reported on Monday, and that was Jim Harbaugh saying that. Wilton Spate's going to be out for multiple weeks. He didn't give a exact timetable, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, whatever. He said multiple weeks. Uh, so John O'Corn's going to be starting against Michigan State. 
Peters is going to be the backup, and Dylan McCaffrey will be the third stringer moving forward. Boys, do we think that Spate will ever play for Michigan ever again? Let's start with Colin. No. The Wilton Spate's time as a Michigan starting quarterback is over. We're moving into a new era now. Uh, John O'Corn is the guy for, for the rest of the season. After this year, when O'Corn's gone, it's going to be between Peters and McCaffrey, and from there, you're going to move on to the future. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Wilton had a great year last year before he got hurt against Iowa. He was really good in that pro-style offense. Made the most of uh, his time you know, with, the, with, with a lot of the veterans around him, a lot of good starters around him. Was a really good game manager. And uh, late in the season, you, you know, did a good job taking care of the ball. There's other stuff like that. But just what they want to do with the offense going forward, kind of moving into a pro-style slash spread offense, you know, going out of the shotgun. It's just it doesn't fit his skill set. And with this injury and with the way he was, you know, just playing very poorly before the injury, I just think his time's done. Um, even after this year, I think if even if he would have had a decent year this year, finished out the season as a starting quarterback, I just thought that Peters and McCaffrey, their upside and their ceiling is just so much higher that I thought once he got some experience and some practice under their belt uh, this this past off season, by next year one of those guys would be good to go. I think this just further solidifies that. O'Corn will do a good job, hopefully finishing out this show strong for us. And then you move into the yeah, new I'm, era with an actual quarterback that uh, Harbaugh recruited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely with you. Um, I think that O'Corn is going to be the guy going forward throughout the rest of the season. I can't really find any, I, I, I really tried to think earlier if there was any possible scenario that, that Spate would start um, without the fact of O'Corn or Peters or any of those guys being hurt. I can't really find one. I don't think he's going to, play for uh, the remainder of the season I think for the sake of his health as well it, it looked like a pretty gruesome hit that he took in that Purdue game and it, it it's not really solidified what exactly uh, the problem was uh, Harbaugh has kind of refrained from going into specifics but it looks like um, some sort of neck injury or back injury uh, something that really doesn't suit well for a quarterback we know that Peyton Manning has had uh, or had neck injuries throughout the last few years of his career and it really started to dip down and and just for the sake of his health I think that he probably shouldn't be uh the go-to guy if uh you know if and when he's uh fully healthy coming back I think that John O'Corn will be the guy just the way that the offense looked against Purdue it looked much better under O'Corn using those uh those multiple tight end sets and having the fullback in there uh utilizing those guys that they really didn't do um you know, with Spate under center uh, in the first three games, but once you saw John O'Corn using guys like uh, <clears throat> Nick Eubanks, um, who unfortunately was injured in that game as well, and uh, guys like Sean McCune, Zach Gentry, using those guys, Wilton Spate, he didn't really uh, show the show the arm to throw to the tight ends. He was more so looking for guys like Crawford, Grant Perry, and of course, John O'Corn's going to have to do that. But uh, just being as versatile as John O'Corn is to be able to find the open guy, make good decisions, and make the throws when necessary. Wilton Spate wasn't really doing that. Um, so I, right. I don't know. I, I think O'Corn's going to be the guy, but that is um, you know, not proven to be seen yet. Uh, yeah, and I'd just like to say one other thing really quick. Um, Spate, I just I want to give him a lot of credit for just his toughness. Oh, absolutely. Over last year, obviously, the danger yeah. against Iowa. He battled right back and was there, Ohio State back. Against Ohio State and uh, Florida State in the bowl game, you could tell he was battling through with an injury, and it did not—it didn't affect him all that much. He at least he didn't show it. And uh, I like to—I also want to say it, it looks bad on Jeff Brom kind of trying to defend the hit that his guys had on him. That was yeah, a dirty hit. Yeah. He was already down on the ground, and then the lineman comes in behind him and pretty much spears him in the neck when he's already down. 
Like that that was that was intentional. And they that didn't was call anything trying to knock on that either. Game. No, and that was complete bullshit. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? Do you think uh, O'Corn's going to be the guy for the rest of the season pending any injury, or do you think that Spate will uh, eventually come back? Um, I it's hard to say right now, just because you know, um, coming into the year, I, I think that we thought Wilton Spate was just kind of going to be the guy, and like he was the guy who was going to lead this offense. Never really turned out that way. He hasn't been that good through the first, you know, three games or three and a half, whatever you want to say that he played in. Um, right now, it's got to be John O'Corn. I mean, if, if he can come out and play well against Michigan State at night in a rivalry game like that and win that game, especially if they, like, beat the spread, you know, win by a couple touchdowns, whatever it is, that that's going to be, you know, crazy. I mean, at that point, I don't, I don't think there's really any way you can take the starting job away from a guy like that. Um, if he does play that well moving forward into the future weeks, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to kind of roll with a hot hand at that point, and I don't think there's any way you can take it away from him. Plus, if Wilton Spade misses multiple weeks, why are you going to start back over from square zero? You know, I, I don't think that you want to move back to a, a a guy that's been on the bench when someone's playing perfectly well. I think it really just depends on how well O'Corn plays, and of course, this is all barring injuries. You know, if John O'Corn were to get hurt for a while and then Spade came back eventually, he could very well come in and play good and maybe earn that starting role back before O'Corn could come back. But that's just saying if that were to happen. If not, I really don't see any way that John O'Corn loses this position if he plays well in this game against Michigan State. I, I don't think he even, even if he doesn't play that well, I still don't think that he's even going to lose it to Brandon Peters yet because I just don't think that Peters is quite ready. Um, what he was able to do against Purdue, I think, shows that he actually can play at this level, something that I didn't think that he could do before. And he's got the chance to prove it now in a pretty big game at night for Michigan. Yeah. I mean, this is... If if he needed an opportunity to really really prove himself, he's got the chance at home. I mean, this is it. If there's any time that the guy is going to be ready to play quarterback, this has to be the game. So, Michigan's offense look for look for them to really try to work through him again and do a lot of things through him. And if he can lead him to a win and you know put up and score in the red zone, just you know be a game manager and get him points. I don't think there's any reason that he isn't the starting quarterback for us the season. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and going back a few weeks ago, I know that you were one of the the guys that really advocated for Spate to continue starting even when fans were were uh, kind of calling for his head. And, you know, I, I had seen plenty of people saying, start John O'Corn, and Andy, you've always been the guy. Like, no, 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 we cannot start. Yeah, John no, 100%. You know, what, what was the, the reason behind that, if, if you don't mind me asking? I mean, just honestly, because of what I've seen from him in the past at Michigan, it, it wasn't anything good enough to play. He got multi. I mean, the Indiana game a year ago, I mean, granted, the weather was pretty bad during that game, but yeah. he looked like a guy that was playing high school football, not college football. And then when he came out against Florida, yeah, sure, he had one good pass, but, you know, it wasn't anything. I mean, after that, he couldn't do anything, got sacked a couple times. It looked like he really had no mm-hmm. idea what was going on in the pocket. It looked like he had no, like, awareness of who was around him all the time. And I don't know what got into his head at Purdue, but it just seemed like he, he changed completely. I mean, the way that he was escaping some of those sacks, some of it was just pure athleticism, which I didn't know that he had that much of either. But he was just able to get away from people, maneuver, get out of the pocket, make passes. He was able to make the quick passes like we alluded to last week. You know, Wilton Spade's kind of a guy that lobs the ball a little bit more. I'd yeah. say that John O'Connor's a guy that's a little bit more precise. And I didn't really know that he had that up his sleeve, but he came out fired up. And I think really the key to him being better now and being the guy that can be the starter he came out on that first drive and went 5-for-5 five five and threw a touchdown. That's a confidence builder. I think when you can do something like that, it gives you more confidence moving forward in future possessions. And even when you know their offense kind of started to stall in the middle of that game, he was able to come out in the second half and lead those t- three straight touchdown drives um, near the end of the game. So he just ch- he changed himself in the field, and he proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. I didn't think that he could still play at this level, but he kind of looks like that guy that he was at Houston and what everyone thought we were getting at Michigan originally you know, a couple of years ago. Everyone kind of thought he was going to be the starter. Well, 
Well, and he was pumping up his teammates mm-hmm. that entire Purdue game as well. And you can see him talking some trash to the Purdue sideline as well. So he was he definitely got yeah, his that's, that's what I'm back. saying. It, it's all confidence with him right now, I think. You know, mm-hmm. that, that first drive was huge. When you don't throw an incompletion, on a touchdown drive and you're opening, like, you know, your first chance to really go out there and score and yeah. lead your team all the way down the field, that, that's huge. I mean, you, you can't get away from that. I think it, I think it showed the rest of the game. And three for three in the red mm-hmm. zone. Can't be that Not with either. the way that Michigan had been playing in the red zone prior to that. Uh, they they oh, were a perfect one hundred percent in that red zone. Uh, yeah, they were one for ten going into Purdue, but they were a hundred percent during the Purdue game. Which uh, yeah, John O'Corn yep. looked great in that red zone, uh, but the play calling definitely was a little better as well. Uh, yeah, that too. I mean, they used the tight ends again. I think this was something we were all calling for. Yeah, is absolutely. they went back to using the tight ends, and their offense looked more like it did a season ago with some of the the ways that they ran plays. That's just something that they didn't really do a lot with Wilton's Bay was in there. I thought I thought a lot of the play calling with Wilton's Bay was that quarterback was pretty bad too. Yeah, they were trying to utilize those wide receivers more often than not. Um, you know, not really using the tight ends that you know, especially the guys that we thought we were going to see a whole lot of guys like Ian Bunting and Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Uh, I don't think uh, Ian Bunting has a single catch this entire season. I think Wheatley has one. So just it really goes to show yeah. uh, how far away they really went with with that kind of offense when guys like Darbo, Chess, and Jake Butt, Devion Smith leave the team, go to the NFL. Uh, I don't know if they lost confidence and trust in the ability to do that with the guys that they were left with, or if they wanted to try something else with those playmaking wide receivers like Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, especially or uh, eventually we'll see guys like Oliver Martin and Nico Collins as well. But that's remained to be seen yet. Mm-hmm. But um. Anyways, so so if, if, I feel like we're we're all pretty confident here with the uh, quarterback position moving forward. Then, huh? I, I don't know how you can't. I mean, if, if he comes out and plays well in this game, I mean, there's really really nothing that I'm going to ask for a season. You got to put him there at that point. Okay. He's got the most experience in the yep. team. He's a senior, and Spades can be out for multiple yeah. weeks. There's really no really no up for debate anymore. <laughs> do you th- do are, I mean do we right. feel better about the Penn State game now? I mean, it was confirmed for a night game. It's on the road. This is going to be John O'Connor. I don't know if that makes me feel any better. This is going to be a huge game. Uh, I know that it's still a few weeks down the road, and Michigan's mantra is, you know, this week is the most important week. But, I mean, just look so at State be, State being an Iowa team that almost knocked off Penn State, so they got to get past Michigan State before anything else happens. Yeah, but that was in Kinney Stadium, though, yeah. at night. That's a whole different true. monster. Iowa's not, Iowa's not as good as they play at night. No, that's very true. I agree with Colin there. But, uh, but all right, I guess moving on, well, uh, since we just brought it up, Michigan State, it is hate week. Uh, it's, I think it's time to preview this game a little bit here with uh, now that we've talked about the quarterback position. Um, no, wh- what do we think the keys to victory are uh, for Michigan this weekend? I know that Michigan State, you know, like we just said, beat a uh, tough Iowa team that almost took down Penn State, although it was at Kinnick Stadium at night. Penn State, it was their first tough uh, road game of the season. Um, you know, what are the keys to victory? We'll start with Colin. Oh, I think the biggest one is to pressure Lewerke all game long. I mean, he's not a great quarterback quarterback by any means, but he's a lot different than uh, the guy the guys they had last year running the offense. Uh, Tyler, Tyler, whatever O'Connor. the heck his name, beginning of the season was terrible. Lewerke. O'Connor, yeah, I miss that guy a little bit, but uh, Lewerke, he, he's, he's the team's leading rusher, so he can move. You cannot give him an alley to run up the middle because he will scramble. He is very fast for a pocket-style quarterback, and he's got a pretty decent arm too, so if you give him time there, time back there to throw, 
you give him some alleys to run, he can burn you a little bit. I don't think this defense will do that. I think Dr. Blitz Don Brown is going to is going to be in this dude's face all game. Um, see, I say pressure him as top and make him uncomfortable. If you can, if you can get, if you can get a couple big hits on him early and rock his uh, confidence a little bit, I think that's huge. Especially him playing on a big road night game, the first of his career, that'll be big to shake up his confidence. So hurt him early. And the other thing I think is uh, just don't turn the ball over. Do not get their offense already hurts mm-hmm. themselves enough. They got a pretty solid defense again this year. You cannot turn the ball over because state they'll they'll call for some turnovers too. But if you help them out, help their out, help help their uh, weak offense out a little bit. You're just hurting yourself. So I think the biggest things are pressure Lewerke. Don't turn the ball over. And I'd say uh, shut down mm-hmm. LJ Scott a little bit too. He hasn't gotten going so far this year, but we know, we've seen him in the previous years that uh, he's definitely got the well, talent. So right. so especially well. last year, LJ Scott led that first drive where Michigan State went right down Michigan's defense and scored that touchdown. LJ Scott was the was the yeah. catalyst of their offense last season, especially in that game. Andy, what do we uh, what do we think the uh, the key yeah. Uh, or what the keys are to victory for Michigan this weekend. What, what Cullen ended with I think is perfect. I think they need to shut down L.J. Scott because I think the Michigan's defense is so fast from sideline to sideline and just in general with their linebackers. I, I don't really see uh, Lorkey being able to get away from them that much. I think Michigan's defense is going to have a lot of success in that area. They'll be able to shut them down. If you can stop L.J. Scott and not let him run all over you, then I think that they're, they'll be able to handle the passing game and anything that Lorkey throws at them. I think the biggest thing for Michigan in this game you know, obviously not turn it over, but Michigan needs to put together some drives early, I think, on offense. I think they need to control the game a little bit with their offense and keep their defense off the field. They need to make Michigan State's defense, because like, you know, Colin just said, they're, they're not a bad defense this year. They still have a lot of players in that uh, defense that are very effective, and it's a strong defense. Mm-hmm. If Michigan can tire them out by the second half, and, you know, still kind of have the lead in the first half, that's how it'll lead to being an easier win in the game that isn't close to the end. If Michigan can't get anything going, comes out in this game slow and allows that defense to stay fresh throughout the game for Michigan State, it could be a close finish. I mean, either way, because that defense won't be tired and they'll be able to play towards the end of the game. So I think Michigan being able to put together drives um, and kind of work that defense a lot and put some uh, balls in the end zone, especially capitalizing the red zone like they were able to do against Purdue, obviously that's always key, but that's going to be a a very, very important thing that Michigan gets it going early. Yeah, I kind of agree with both of you guys, but I think – Winning in the trenches is going to be the most important part, especially for Michigan's offensive line. John O'Corn's not going to be able to make all these nice plays that that he made in the Purdue game if uh, you know the defensive line is going to be in his face for uh, most of the game. And the offensive line, and I know that I've talked about this in what seems like every podcast so far this year, yeah. <laughs> but that right side of the offensive line has not been promising at all with Unwenu and with Ulysio. It needs to be better. And I hope that they spent this bye week, or as Harbaugh says, improvement week, really improving on that and uh, being able to shut down that defensive line is going to be key. I know it's not been mm-hmm. a stellar defensive line like what they had a couple years ago when they had, um, oh God, what was the guy that got drafted by Seattle? I can't remember. Anyways, uh, their defensive line a couple years ago was really stellar. It's obviously not like that. Uh, this season, they're not getting a whole lot of uh, pressure on the quarterback from what it seems like. And uh, it seemed like Notre Dame was able to run the ball down their throat for most of that game uh, in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and which is kind of a good segue into my next key is to establish the run game early and often. Uh, utilize those running backs that you have. Chris Evans had a great game against Purdue. I'm sure that boosted his confidence, and I'm sure that that was great heading into the bye week. Kron Higdon has been one of the yeah. more reliable running backs that we've had, but Ty Isaac has obviously been the best one of the three, and. Being and being able for me to say his name last is really speaking volumes of how good the depth is at running back. So I would say establish the run game early and often, and uh, utilize 
utilize the running game, uh, but that can't all get started if that offensive line doesn't get the push that it is needed to uh, get the running back some space and have John O'Corn get the time needed to deliver those nice passes that we saw against Purdue. Yeah, create those holes like Chris Evans found last week. I mean, really, like the ones or against Purdue, not last week, my bad. But um, no, like there's on some of those breakaway runs, it was just like it, you know, opened up like the Red Sea yeah. for the guy. It was just wide open to find touchdowns. So that's gonna be important, I think. And Chris Evans, you know, match what he did against Purdue, come back out and play good again. And an interesting stat, I think it's like nine of the last ten winners in this series uh, won the ground game in each each time. So right, winning the yeah. ground game is absolutely Ab- essential. Absolutely, this absolutely. Game. You're right about that, and, Purdue, uh, I, I know I keep going back to this Purdue game. Purdue, all season, I believe they only had one sack heading into that game. They had like three or four against Michigan, and that's just that's not acceptable. Michigan is known for having mm-hmm. the ground and pound, the strong offensive linemen. I mean, they used to be O-line university, essentially. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. That kind of went underwent a change yeah. once Rich Rodriguez came into town, and that kind of screwed everything up. But being able to establish that run game, get the – offensive lineman going i i think it's going to be really key this is going to be a hard fought game i'll, I'll tell you that it's it's going to be a no hard-nosed question. football game and uh it's mark d'antonio it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what their yeah. team is this is the biggest game on his schedule he circles it and he'll have his team ready to play they were last year i mean i know i know michigan you know controlled that game for the most part but they didn't go away at the end they kept fighting back until that final yeah, you know absolutely. play where peppers kind of ran away with it so they're not going to go away from michigan i don't exactly. expect that at all well, the spread at this moment in time is at 13 points uh, is being given to uh, Michigan State. Do you think that – and Michigan's 2-2 two and two against the spread this season. What do we think uh, is going to happen for that? Oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I, think that it, I think it's a little bit closer than that. I think Michigan wins this game by about 10 points. I think Michigan State hangs around. I think they make it yeah. a big game. I don't, I don't. I just don't know if Michigan's offense can be able to score enough uh, on that defense. I, I know John O'Connor had a great week against Purdue, but – this is a really big game, and I, you know, as much as I want them to start fast, and I think that that is the key to the game. I think they are going to kind of struggle out of the gate. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on him um, as a quarterback coming out right away. So Michigan's defense kind of kind of has to hold him in the game, which has been the story of the season. But I could definitely see things going along in the second half and see uh, Corn kind of capitalizing towards the end of the game and Michigan winning in that way. Yeah. But I think it'll be closer yeah. than thirteen. Go ahead. See ya. I think Michigan does cover because I think we're either going to have a special teams or a defensive touchdown, and I think Michigan won't have any turnovers on offense. So I I think Michigan does cover because you're going to see a special. Either Peoples Jones takes it to the house, or you see like Canal or Lavert Hill or David Long uh, get a pick six. There it is. Lee Corso coming in with the special teams right there. Colin got any got any other saucy (laughs) bold predictions for us while we're while we're here? That's it for right now. Uh, I will save the rest of the saucy bold predictions for later. I'll give give you a bold prediction. Michigan doesn't make a mistake like they did the last time these two teams played the big house in the game. I bet Michigan's a lot more careful if it comes down to anything like that. I had that that blocked out of my memory for a long time, and now you just brought it back, and all the emotions are coming back. Got to face reality. All you have to do is open your Twitter, and you're going to see it ten times this week. It's it's bound to happen. It is bound to happen, but – they need this one bad. You can't you can't come back out of your Michigan well, and lose I, this game after. I think it was Michigan. John Runyon Jr. that said that they still have a bad taste in their mouth uh, from the last time that these two teams met in uh, the big house, and I I think I think that could be said for a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be brought up. It's uh this is a night game. It's going to be on ABC. I'm sure before the broadcast begins, they're going to show uh show show the replay of the yeah. the muff punt and. You know all the crazy stuff that happened afterwards. So we're just gonna have to live through it. It's a 
it's a big game for Harbaugh either way because you know he hasn't beaten Urban Meyer yet, and he's one and one technically against, against uh, Mark D'Antonio. So you, you got to get that you got to get that winning record up there against at least you know one of your big rivals. Right. You know, because essentially he should be three and zero, oh, and everyone would know that. That's why I think this game's really big. Yeah. He's got to get that you know win under his belt for Michigan fans to not start to be right. more upset and be like, okay, you know, we can't accept losses like that. Yeah, especially with how weak Michigan State's uh, really looked yep. this year so far. I know that. You know, they're two wins against Mac opponents, and then they had the one against Iowa this past week. But losing at home... It's still, it's still impressive to me. I, I kind of thought they would lose to Iowa, to be honest. I really didn't think they were better than Iowa. Yeah, Iowa typically doesn't play all that well away from home. Uh, no, they don't. They've had, a, had yeah. a history of that. But I just, I don't know. I just really didn't expect Michigan State to actually get that win. I, I kind of thought maybe we'd see it go back uh, to It was right close for a while there. And but, I actually don't think Michigan State scored in that second half at all. So No, they didn't. They just got a field goal. And so did Iowa. Both teams just got yeah, a field goal in the second half. No, no, Michigan State had what had oh. seventeen at the half. So I don't think they had yeah, they they had, they had fourteen in the first quarter, three in the second yeah. quarter, wow. none in the, well, uh, the third or fourth. Well that. if uh Iowa can hold them to zero points in two quarters, I think Michigan can definitely do that as well. But we will see. Uh I I guess score a score prediction since we uh went through the uh the spread. Uh Colin, you have a score right now that you've you've been floating around in your mind? This game. Yeah, I'm gonna go twenty. I'm gonna go twenty-seven to ten right now. I'm gonna say O'Corn rushes for a touchdown, and uh, Ty Isaac has a rushing touchdown from like the two-yard line, and then you're okay. gonna see a special teams touchdown, and then a couple, uh, hey. a couple field goals. Yeah, right. Wild thing. Andy, you got a score? I got Michigan twenty-four ten. I think they're up seventeen to fourteen. The game kind of getting late, and then you know they kind of get a touchdown like they did last year um, against Wisconsin. That kind of play that pulls them away at the end of the game puts them up by enough okay. points to get the win. I think it's like a big play to end the game that kind of gives them a touchdown okay. to put it away. I will say uh, 30 to 14. I think it'll be relative. I, I think they're yeah. going to start pulling away towards the end of that game, but I do think it'll be close throughout the first at least two and a half quarters of that. But uh, but I guess to wrap up this podcast here, uh, let's go through a favorite memory of this, uh, this hate week, rivalry week. Um, I'll start. I went to the Michigan-Michigan State game back in 2012, when it was basically uh, the field goal game, and uh, they they won on that game winner, Brennan Gibbons uh, lined up for that game winning kick. I think it was like a is a thirty something yard field goal. Went right through it. I was in that end zone where he kicked it through, and it was actually Michigan's nine hundredth uh, total win uh, in program history. So being able to witness win number nine hundred that was pretty cool, and to have it be against Michigan State is just that much cooler. Colin. Yeah, for sure. I I think I remember that game too. I remember watching that, and I was I was absolutely freaking out. Exactly, and then yeah. that's a memorable one too, just because Michigan didn't have a lot of success, you know, no, over those years. So that was one of the ones that they yeah, actually it, it was won. a pretty good game. Uh, so, Andy, what, what what's your favorite moment from uh, Michigan Michigan State? My favorite moment uh, is actually a, it's a, it's a while ago. I think it was in two thousand six, but I could be mistaken. It was a triple overtime game uh, of Michigan and Michigan State. Um, and I actually went to it that day, and I remember that morning, like, it was just a weird day because it was on Halloween, and the power went out and like, almost all of Michigan, <laughs> so it was, like, super weird. But I just remember going to that game and just, like, you know, you know, being my little kid self, absolutely bummed because, you know, they were getting beat, and I was kind of allowed to leave. But my dad made me stay, and then, you know, they ended up just, like, coming back and winning, and Braylon Edwards had that game-winning touchdown in the third overtime, so I'll never forget that. That was probably that the coolest memory. memories. Colin, how about you, man? That- 
You know, obviously, I think most Michigan fans, especially millennials, yeah. that 4 game definitely is the one that resonates the most. Braylon Edwards, you know, mm-hmm. three amazing touchdowns and all that. But uh, just to play uh, devil's advocate, I'm going to go the year right after that, 05, where they went to East Lansing. They were a huge underdog. Remember, Michigan struggled that year. Michigan State got off to the great start. They had, like, the <laughs> yeah. flag plan at Notre Dame. They were ranked 11th in the country. Michigan was unranked. It was supposed to finally be Sparty's year. And then Michigan comes in there, um, goes up 14 early. State kind of comes back. It goes to overtime. And you had uh, I can't remember who the kicker was in that game. Michigan they missed State missed their field going overtime, and then Michigan hit the game winner. It was just awesome. Me and my me and my dad and my brother were just freaking out. <laughs> I ran outside celebrating yeah. all that just because we fought, we beat them again, even though it was supposed to be their year. And it's just another little another yep, awesome little a, brother. That uh, is a good victory. memory. We all have some pretty good memories here, so that's awesome to hear. But uh, but I think that is going to do it uh, for Colin and Andy. My name is Vaughn, and we will talk at you guys next time, hopefully uh, with some good news here of a Michigan win. But uh, until then, go blue. Go blue.